morning, y'all. Would y'all pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful this morning to be able to gather together to participate, Lord, in the heavenly realms of worship right now, that before you are myriads and myriads of our brothers and sisters who have been redeemed from their sin by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and who stand forgiven as we stand forgiven today together and we get to unite in their worship um, and to participate in lifting high your name. So we thank you, Lord, for these things. And um, Lord, we thank you for, uh, yeah, for a good work that our church got to participate in. Um, and so I ask for help now, Lord, as, um, as I think through some of these things before my brothers and sisters, uh, would you would you remind me and put words in my mouth that would help um, to give glory to your name for the things that you did and also to give encouragement that this body um, in all of its parts got to participate of that work. Um, this wasn't a work that Eli and I went and did or um, other men went and did, but this is a work that our body, that you did, uh, in large part through this body, and so we just thank you for um, we thank you for the the privilege that it is to participate in gospel ministry um, in this world. And so, would you bless our time as we think together? Now, we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Well, if you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter four and just hold your finger there, because um, what I want to do is. Um, I would like to show you some pictures of the trip that Eli and I uh, just got home from. And um, let's see, do you want me to ask, can Lily, do you know how to, do you know how to press those buttons and roll through slides? So Miss Kelsey doesn't have to, where is Lily? Uh, I don't know. You don't know how, okay. Thanks Kelsey. Okay, so, um, so yeah, I'm just gonna show you a couple of pictures and, and kind of talk through um, some of the things that God did, and then uh, and then I want to talk to you about the nature of the the trip and uh, and all of that. So, um, so what you're seeing is probably impossibly hard to make out. I was going to have um, all sorts of um, maps, but there's a this is a picture out of the window of uh, where Eli and I were sitting, and um, whether or not you can make out what it is, that is a picture of the, 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 the bottom side, you can see sort of lights at night, um, but there's a, right in the middle, there's a piece, of, a strip of, of thin ground that's really brightly lit up. Do you see that? Uh, I'll, I'll go point it out to you. Um, Ann, Ann has bought me like five laser pointers and I can't find any of them on the day that I need them. But right here, do you see all those lights? That, um, that is the city of Corinth. Uh, so we're flying over the Mediterranean and we're headed to Ethiopia and I look out of our uh, port side window and see this strip of ground, that recognize it as that's Greece and then I look in where the southern body of Greece kind of comes to a point and it's connected to the main body, that strip of land is called Corinth and it just dawned on me, like that is from all I can tell and from other guys that have done research, that strip of ground is the Apostle Paul's greatest ministry success. 
That's where he, that's where he spent a lot of his life. That's where God uh, poured out blessing upon him is, is that ground. And so the, the text that I, uh, that I put on that slide, you then, this is, these are the words of Paul to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the idea is Paul had given Timothy, had discipled him in the faith, passed on the gospel message to him. And he tells Timothy, it's not enough for you to just hold and be faithful. You have to do that. You have to hold the truth and you have to be faithful. But in order to, in order to obey this command, Timothy had to pass them on again to faithful men who wouldn't just hold on to these things, but who would pass them on. So this is the model of how to be um, multiplying the work of the gospel in, um, in the world today. And so it was, uh, it was a sobering and encouraging idea that I'm, I'm flying over the very ground where the Apostle Paul gave the lion's share of his life. And what he did there to do this, to pass the gospel that he received straight from the Lord to faithful men who passed it on, that's the means by which you and I say amen when we hear that Jesus is Lord. That's the only reason that you have heard of Christ and have trusted in him is that people have been doing this for 2,000 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we're flying into a place called Ethiopia, which is home to one of the oldest churches in existence. Who can tell me where the Ethiopian church started? Well, it started early on in the book of Acts when Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch and preached the gospel to him. Uh, by all accounts, that man went back to Ethiopia, shared the gospel. And there has been, there have been believers in Ethiopia ever since that moment. And so we're, we're flying over the Apostle Paul's stomping ground to land in a place of the oldest church that's in existence, one of the oldest churches in existence to, again, participate in this same work, okay? So, um, will, you, will you go to the next slide? Okay, so um, the, the men that you see there, those are all of the, um, all of the guys that came to participate. So, uh, in Ethiopia, where we went, we flew into the capital city, which is um, Addis, Addis Ababa, is their capital city, and we're having coffee in Addis Ababa before we drive two and a half hours through just death trap highway. We almost died like 20 times, no, no lie. Um, and there are baboons on the side of the road and armed guards that stop and, you know, half of them want to frisk you and half of them just open the door and look around and say, no, you're good, go on. Um, there's a civil war in the country. And so it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. But all of these men, um, uh, the, you can see Eli in the bottom right, <laughs> bottom right corner. Uh, I'm on the left. Uh, right above Eli is a, is a man named Danny. Uh, right north of him, the one gray-haired uh, in our trip, he's been in that's Tom. He had been in pastoral ministry for has been is currently in pastoral ministry for more than 20 years. Uh, right north of him is David. David works. If any of you guys have benefited from the ministry of John Piper, the teaching ministry there of Desiring God. He's on full-time staff with them. The two guys on the left 
uh, both of which I think are giving the Hawaiian, like, whatever, whatever this is. Uh, the guy in the middle, uh, he it was born and raised in Hawaii, and next to him is Caleb. Um, both of those guys went to Bethlehem Bible College and Seminary. Um, so all of, these, all of these men, some old, some young, uh, some married, some not, some fathers, some single, um, all of them gave uh, their churches, sent them to participate in this work, to go teach pastors, um, equip pastors how to read with understanding the Word of God, how to effectively teach it in their church, um, and how to do the ministry of the Word. And so we had, we had two weeks. Um, we, had a week, uh, we had one week in um, a town called Ambo, like 250,000 people, so still a megacity, um, but it's a, um, it's a small town compared to Addis, which is several million. Nobody knows how many people live in Addis. So we're in Addis there, we're about to leave and go to Ambo, where we spent, um, yeah, a week teaching. Um, okay, will you go to the next slide, please? Okay, so this is uh, morning devotion. You can see Danny there uh, trying to worship with um, in a language that he does not understand. Um, but every day we would, uh, we would come uh, to class, and these men are gathered there together. All of these men pastor churches in Ethiopia. Um, most of the men in my class pastor churches far larger than the one I pastor. Um, and so all of these guys have been sent by their church because their church found out that there was um, an opportunity for them to be trained on how to read and understand God's word and effectively teach them uh, the word of God. And so all of these, these churches, it's really cool. They sacrifice to send, to send their men. So in this room, there's a, there's a stack of mattresses at the, at the far back. So these men have come from hours and hours and hours away to be there, to spend a week studying. And so, uh, we study, uh, we start at eight o'clock in the morning. We go all the way to five, a couple of breaks here and here and there. And then when we end, they pull mattresses out and they all sleep just there in the sanctuary together. Um, and they, while they're there, uh, their churches are caring for their families, much like while I was there, our church was caring for my family and stopping, you know, toilets from raining through the, through the ceiling. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, amazing to see, to see the body of Christ coming together to, to see this. Um, will you go to the next one? Okay. So this is the class. I had 26 guys in my class. This these men, this group, this group of men have been studying the, uh, through this curriculum for, because it's a three-year uh, study, but because of COVID, it was stretched into four. And so this is their last, uh, their last uh, session together. Um, basically, it, uh, the, the sessions are mapped out where you, you learn how to interpret all of the different genres of scripture. So you've got history, you've got law, you've got prophets, you've got poetry, you've got gospels, uh, New Testament epistles, apocrypha. And so every session is geared at giving them tools to be able to read any poetry in the Old Testament, any, uh, any law in the Old Testament, and be able to understand the author's meaning, understand how it fits in the narrative of Scripture, and then understand how it applies to us today. Um, these men, prior to, um, prior to being trained in this way, uh, they do the same thing that most all of us do when we don't know how exactly to fit the scripture together. You just read and you go directly to application, which can get really sideways really quick, right? Um, our, our Bible study, uh, our Bible reading program this week um, had us reading um, 
about the punishment for breaking the Sabbath, that we stone you to death with stones. And so how dangerous would it be if we read that and thought it directly applied to New Testament church? And so anybody who breaks the Sabbath, we're going to stone you to death with stones. The, the curriculum is designed to help them put all things under the lordship of Christ and see how Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And so now we're interpreting it through the lens of the exaltation of, uh, of the mercy of God through Christ. And so the guy standing there, uh, his name is Alex. He's a pastor. He was my translator last time. And um, just a fantastic man who um, I got to preach in his church. I'll show you a picture of that in a little bit. But yeah, that's that's the class. So will you go to the go to the next one? Okay. This this is that um, I don't know if all eighty some odd guys, but this is the graduating class. These are the guys that have been diligently um, studying for the last four years. And of this class, there are some very uh, very key guys that kind of demonstrated a, um, a mastery of the content, and they are going to be the co-teachers of the next um, of the next session. So we taught uh, course nine, that's the capstone course, and while we were teaching course nine, finishing up these guys, there was another group in Ambos uh, launching the first uh, the first lesson of the next eighty five or ninety pastors. So um, so this is going to going to continue, and the the really, really good students in this group are going to co-teach the next uh, the next round, which is fantastic. So pretty soon they won't need anybody from America to come because they'll be equipped to be able to uh, to train and teach the saints there. So that's uh, that's them. Okay, will you go to the next one? All right, this is their this is their graduation and um, brothers and sisters. It was it was really cool to be a part of this graduation. So you had. When these men uh, graduated, um, their churches, as, as many as could be there, came to celebrate with them. And so it was this amazing um, time of celebrating the grace of God. And um, some men got ordained. And you're talking about grown African men uh, that are just weeping with joy over being, being ordained to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So it was, it was amazing to be, uh, to be a part of, for sure. Um, I don't know. I never figured out why some are in blue, some are in black, and some are in those. You know, Eli knows. The ones in orange are choir. The ones in orange are choir. So are they graduates too, or are they just choir people? Well, remember, so some of the people in worship were in um, some of the other people's classes. I don't think there were any worship people in yours. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so the choir is the is the one in white and whatever color that is. In orange. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay, will you go to the next one? Okay, this is uh, this is Alex and his wife. I think if I remember her name, it, it's Seti. And um, he, uh, when I was with them last time, he was my translator, and he was pastoring a church of five thousand people. Um, and he felt like the Lord did not. This is the story I'm told. He felt like the Lord did not want him pastoring a church that's that big, and so he. He passed the pastorate on to um, to another man in the class, and he went in, uh, across Ambo and planted another church um, like five months ago. That's already a little over five hundred people. So he's a um, just really gifted, uh, really gifted leader and um, a good man, a good brother. So he's a translator, and so when I'm when I'm saying 
things that he's never heard. It's so fun to watch him hear new content from God's word and resonate with it. And in a moment, like rejoice and then say like, you, you guys have got to hear this. Like, and so he's passing on just live. If, if, if you are a teacher, you know the feeling of learning something that's glorious and that you're just like, man, I have to tell somebody this right now. And so it was so fun to translate with him because he's learning things and he's juiced about them and then he gets to tell it right away. And, and it was, it was awesome. So he asked me to preach at his church on like Wednesday or Thursday. And I'll talk about this in a moment, but there was zero time to do any study about anything other than the, the class content. But they told us like, if, if somebody asks you to preach in their church, you need to accept. And so, um, so I did, and I, I preached at his church and I'll talk about it in a second. Uh, will you go to the next slide? Okay, so his wife took a picture of, uh, these are pictures that she took while I was worshiping with them. We go to the next one. Uh, so this is me. This is me preaching. Y'all are, um, yeah. This is this is normal to you, maybe. Um, I I've preached some some floaters. Okay, I've preached some stinker sermons before. I've preached some uh, some average, some above average sermons. This was the greatest sermon I have ever preached, and I'm not kidding around. I he asked me on on Thursday. I had no time to study. Uh, and so, uh, I think it was either Friday morning or Saturday morning. I woke up at two just to try and put some thoughts together, uh, and praying like, Lord, I don't know what they need to hear from me. I have no, I, I mean, they're in a completely different language, culture, context. I have no idea what I could possibly say to them. And the last time I preached there, I preached for about five minutes and they made fun of me forever because they preach for about an hour every time, every Sunday. So I'm like, I need to preach for an hour and I have nothing to say. And I felt the Lord impress upon me that, I, that he wanted me to preach uh, the story of Jesus uh, meeting the Samaritan woman. And so I turn to John 4 and I start to make notes like I normally do to prepare for a sermon. And again, I felt him prompt me to have no, like, no sermon notes. Read the text, re-familiarize myself with it, and then just trust me. It's what I felt him telling me. And so um, I went into the pulpit for the very first time. I always have some sort of a plan. This is the only time I've only had a text. I'm like, all right. I felt like what he wanted me to do was to go and exalt the name of his son as I enjoyed the text of scripture in front of my brothers and count that as good. And in a way that I've never experienced before, his presence and his pleasure and his power um, blessed the sermon and it was glorious like and I, I, I there was no there was no other white person in the building to say yeah that was actually terrible you were just making all of that up so it could it could be that when when I see Jesus he's like yeah it really wasn't good but you were just excited um, but I doubt it very seriously um, it was the 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 Lord was so gracious, so gracious. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's me preaching. Alex is the only other person who understood English. He translated for me, and when we were done, he was like, "That was amazing." So, um, so God be praised. And I know that part of the reason that happened is because I've got a church that's been praying for me uh, as I get to serve the brothers, and so there's a great confidence there. Um, yeah, so thank you for praying. Okay, go to the, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a quarter, this is a quarter of the church, 
So one, uh, there's, there's one wing, a second wing, and then there's wings off to the left and to the right. So it's like, um, that's, yeah, that's a quarter of the people that were there. And I, like I said, I preached for an hour and um, it was awesome. Okay. Uh, okay, so this is, this is a brother that was in my class and um, you have to understand something about their, um, these men, they are ferocious church planters. They love the Lord, they love his word. Most of them have memorized more Bible than you or I combined. Have you ever been around those people that like, when you mention a scripture, they can tell you chapter and verse just offhand? These guys did that to me all week long, where I would say, you know how Jesus said this, and like they wouldn't go on until somebody had given chapter and verse, and they don't have like search engines. It's just committed to memory. It was astounding. Um, and now that they've been given a grid where they can interpret scripture with some measure of certainty, anytime somebody's teaching them the word, they're listening very close to see, are they giving me the main point of the author? Are they, are they handling the word rightly? And so at the very end of class, the very last day, I'm, I'm basically summing up their four years of study. And um, when I get done, I, I, I'm like, hey, I, I would like to pray for you guys and, and ask the Lord to continue to bless your ministry. And before I could pray, this guy looks at me like he wanted to cut me and just starts talking to me, super intense, staring at me for like three or four minutes, just talking right at me. And I'm like, oh man, I think I must have offended some kind of way. So when he gets done, Alex turned to me and he said, he, he wanted to say that on behalf of everybody in the class, he's talked to everybody, and he wanted to communicate to you that none of us will ever be the same after having studied the Word of God with you for a week. We have all been transformed and our ministries will be transformed and Christ will be exalted in our church. And so uh, they just wanted to thank me for coming to do what I love to do and to teach God's word. Um, that was, yeah, some of the most encouraging and humbling um, words that I've ever heard. And that's, uh, that's the guy. So, um, and you guys had a hand in that. So thank you for participating in the work. Okay, will you go to the next? Okay, so we left Ombo after a week of teaching and we go, went back to Otis. Uh, really, really interesting. The guys in Ambo are a different people group and a different language group than these guys. So those guys are downstream from the Cushites, from your Old Testament, uh, uh, the land of Cush. Moses' wife was a Cushite. Um, these guys are Semitic. Um, and so their languages are completely different. Their culture is completely different. So the Ambo guys, when you would preach Christ... There was an immediate, like, I, just looking out on the crowd, like people breaking into worship, breaking into song. That's that's how they respond. These guys, it was much more like a seminary class in the States where, like, you look out on serious, sober-minded faces and they're weighing everything that you're saying according to the scripture that they know. Um, and so there was a there was a really high level of, uh, of theological understanding already. Um, a high level of mastery of the content of scripture, but they too lacked the training to be able to fit those things together and to understand how the Bible and all of its varied parts fit together to preach one message about the glory of God in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ to reconcile men to himself. And so as I, as I taught them, 
um, it was so much fun because they wanted to argue and they wanted to make sure that they got things clear. But the second that they understood, uh, they understood the text of scripture, they just uh, would, would rejoice. And so there's a man, uh, the top left, uh, the young guy's name is uh, Ebenezer. Um, but the guy right next to him is Pastor Alam. And he was my translator in, for these guys. And uh, I've had twice now to be with Alex. And I realized very quickly that I was spoiled with Alex. Alex was glorious. Uh, Pastor Alam was a really good dude. But he was so excited about the text of Scripture uh, that he would forget that he's supposed to translate. And he would just want to converse with me. And so I kept having to remind him, hey, will you translate that to the class? Like, tell them, tell them what I just said. And also one of the most fun teaching tools is to ask a question and to have them answer and then to show them in the text where, uh, where, they, uh, where they might have misunderstood. I would always ask a question and he would ask and then answer it for the class. And so I, I kind of felt bad for him because he was wrong a lot. And I, I'm like, ah, I don't know how to just shame you in front of the, front of the class as we dig into the scripture. But... Uh, so it was rocky for the for the first day, but just a, a godly brother who loves the loves the Lord and loves His Word. And at the end of this class, um, he said, "Hey, when you go home, would you ask your church to pray for me so that I would be diligent in the study of God's Word?" I realized I've been memorizing God's Word, uh, but I have not been studying it as I ought to to be a teacher of God's Word who rightly handles the text of Scripture. And so, would you pray for me? Um, and uh, and everybody in the class is of the same um, of the same mindset. So all of these again are ministers in some sort of way in the church. They they teach God's word. There's a lot of Sunday school teachers there, um, and so to to be able to come alongside them and help them uh, give them tools to interpret God's word and to teach it effectively uh, was glorious. Uh, okay, will you go to the next slide? Okay, so. Um, Eli, do you want me to talk through this picture, or do you want to come and... You can do it however you can. Okay, why don't you come up here and, and uh, just take, a, take a, few, a few minutes to talk about um, what the trip was like from your perspective, and then what, uh, what's going on in this picture. Yes, sir. Okay, so first of all... Oh, okay, here? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this feels strange. Okay, um, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody for, uh, ev everybody who donated and who prayed for the trip. It was uh, very helpful. Now, I want to explain the picture. So while we were there, um, we met our, the national partner, Mr. Fikadu, and he runs an organization that uh, supports families that are in desperate need for food and um, medical care things like that and he told me about it and I decided I would act on it and so I am now the supporter of this family um, the little girl is the one who I'm technically supporting but through her I'm supporting her whole family um, and her name is Alkidan um, she is I think six her dad is disabled because he was a home builder and he didn't see an electrical mainline wire and he impaled his hand on it. The electric shot jerked him up into the ceiling and he slammed his head against a rafter. The, pl the place where he hit his head is indented into his skull and it's completely mauled. He 
can't walk and his hands shake. He can't use them anymore. His wife is the moneymaker of the family, but she cannot leave him because he is um, prone to fall out of his wheelchair if he's left alone. So she has to wash clothes for maybe the six people that live near enough to her that she can run really quick. Takes her all day and she makes 200 per a day, which is the equivalent of $3.90. And, and with, with that, she's supposed to support them all, buy them all food, and send the two children to school. So they were in, uh, yes, they were in desperate need of help. Um, but now we're helping them. Um, and I mean, I'm not really sure how else to explain the picture, but yeah, well, that's, that's good. That's good. That's it. Cool. Thanks. Go. Yeah. So, um, is that, that's my last slide, right? So, so yeah. Okay. So some of my pictures didn't come through, but I had several of, um, of Eli, like the Pied Piper of joy walking with like a whole bunch of Ethiopian kids in tow. He brought his concertina and, uh, played a bunch of pirate music and, um, and it was, yeah, it was really, it was glorious. It was so good. So, um, okay. So I, I, I won't, I won't take long, but what I, uh, what I wanted to do is to think with you about the things that, uh, the reasons I think that this trip was fruitful, was, uh, eternally a successful trip and a successful endeavor. And so, uh, so the, uh, just three things briefly, um, the first off is just obviously by the grace of God. Like I think God's good grace was upon the trip from start to finish. Um, and that he did that through the body of Christ, both with financial generosity and then prayer generosity. And so we were able to, um, yeah, to just enjoy his goodness to us. Um, but I do want to point out that um, I typically I am very down on short term mission trips, mainly because um, when you go into a place that's a different language, a different culture, it's very minimal the things that you can actually accomplish for them. And so typically as a church, we support uh, mission endeavors that are like what the Reese's are doing in pay. Uh, what Chad and Martha are doing among the Mali Ali to move in there and to learn their language, learn their culture, preach the gospel, plant a church, raise up leaders, and then leave them, uh, leave them to be fruitful. And so the fact that like, we went for two weeks and then came home, um, uh, this is the second time I've gone. And uh, both times I'm asking myself, Lord, is this worth is this worth the cost? Is it worth the effort? Is there fruitfulness in it? Or is it just one of those things that like, we all feel good about it, but at the end of the day, nothing meaningful happens. One of the, one of the reasons I think this is fruitful is by the grace of God, it cuts with the grain of reality. Um, so let me explain this for a moment. So like we would all say that, um, that God can and does and loves to be the father of the fatherless. That he cares for the orphan, right? He cares for the widow. Uh, and so we would affirm that uh, all, all, every day, all day, every day, that God loves orphans and he cares for them. But it would, be, it would be a really bad idea for us to say, therefore, it doesn't matter what fathers do. Like, God cares for the orphan, and so it doesn't matter if fathers bail on their children. We would never make that connection. Because 
while God does care for orphans, his normal means for caring for children is parents, is their, is their father, their mother pouring their lives into these things, and so into their children. In the same way, we could say God can use any means that he wants to to bless his people, but typically what he does is he uses local leadership to bless the local church, not outside saviors coming in, which is typically the way a lot of um, Western missionary, the mindset there is we come in as sort of the, um, the benefactors and we come to bless and to, and, to, um, and to take all of these people who are backcountry and weak and, you know, uh, and we raise them up, right? And, and they depend upon us. Um, that's the furthest thing from the, the thrust of this ministry. The, this ministry exists to go in and to take, uh, to take leaders and to help them be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Um, one, one of the guys uh, talking about how to, uh, when he was fundraising to, to be full-time with this ministry, he said one of the favorite things he would, he would do is anytime he got to, uh, to talk to churches uh, in the States, he would, he would say, you know, show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a formal uh, Bible class? Like whether it's Bible college or whether it's like training, uh, uh, biblicaltraining.org or any formal class where you're trained on either theology or biblical interpretation or whatever. And he asked for a show of hands. Uh, and I was thinking about our church. There's a whole bunch of us that have enjoyed and been blessed by formal theological training. And he said, when all those hands are in the air, he points to them and he says, you need to understand that you have had more training than 85% of the pastors in the world. If you've had one class in Bible college or seminary, one, one uh, intentional training uh, in, in gospel ministry, you have had more training than 85% of the pastors in the world. And so this trip, I think, was fruitful because by God's grace, it cuts with the grain of the way he made the world. And that is that he doesn't want, uh, typically does not want a Texan to go and pastor churches in Ethiopia. He wants a Texan maybe to go and train their pastors to give them the same training we have so that they can more effectively uh, do their job. And so uh, it, was, it was really fun. The, it, I told you to keep your finger in Ephesians 4. I want to look at one verse with you uh, that was kind of the thrust of what we were trying to get across um, to both, uh, to all of the men that we got to train with, and it's in verse uh, verse 11 and 12. Uh, Paul says, and he, and the context is clear, that's Jesus. Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd teachers, by the way, for the time, set aside the offices, whether we're going to ask, are they still in function? Just set that aside for, for the time being, so I don't have time to address it. But do acknowledge and see from this text that when Jesus was, when he ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. And the gifts that he gave are apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. And most of the men that we trained were shepherd teachers. And so in verse 12, it gives you the purpose for why Jesus gave these gifts to the body. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so... Uh, it was really fun to study this text and say, why, why did Jesus, the exalted Lord of glory, why did he give evangel or, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers? For what purpose? And everybody said, in both classes I taught, we studied this text, um, both of them said, 
well, he gave them to build up the body of Christ, which in one sense is true, but in another sense, it misses two steps. Why did God give? What, what are apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers, what are they for? In verse 12, at the beginning of verse 12, it gives you the answer. They are for, uh, they are to equip the saints. Okay? Their job is to equip the saints, not to build the church up. That's a byproduct. Their job, first and foremost, is to equip the saints. Well, equip the saints to do what? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So this is the way God has gifted his church is he's given leadership so that leadership can do the ministry of the word, which is to equip saints for the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ will be built up. And so one of the reasons this, this trip was so fruitful is because it cuts with the grain of how God has gifted his church. We're doing the types of things that he told us to do. The second reason I think it was super fruitful is the idea of dependence. So um, I, I can't communicate to you. I had a slide up there. Uh, it, was, it was supposed to be the, the last slide, but it didn't, it didn't come through. But it was Eli exhausted asleep in the Otis airport as we're waiting for our plane to board. Just like wiped, completely spent. Um, when we finished two weeks of, uh, we had, we had uh, two weeks of teaching and I was fine all, uh, all to the end. When I got done, that's when my stomach went haywire. Cause it was like, you don't have, um, you don't have freedom. You don't have leisure to get sick. You are going all day, every day, waking up at four, uh, going to bed at seven thirty or eight, just trying to stay alive. Um, the way my mind works, I can't study a whole bunch of things ahead of time and have them have mastery of them. I have to do one thing at a time. And so every single day and every single section of every day and every minute of every day, there was this constant sense of God, I cannot do what I need to do right now. And what's great about that is especially like teaching with a, uh, a translator is like, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, a moment by moment, God help me, like give me words to say here. So I, so I give something and while he's translating, I'm praying, give me my next words, give me my next words. They're asking questions and I can tell, I, I don't know how to answer this question. Holy Spirit, like give me remembrance, give me, give me what I need to, to bless the brothers. And so, and at every single turn, the Holy Spirit poured out his grace gave words and, uh, uh, and fitly spoken uh, in the time that, um, that was given. And so there was just this absolute dependence upon the Lord and him coming through again and again and again. And I would just say, um, I think that should be the normal Christian life. Right. Typically, we do not want to start any work unless we can see and know. And, and Jesus told us, count the cost about discipleship, not about endeavoring once we have become disciples and have been born again. Uh, he didn't. He, I don't think he would counsel us, counsel us to to count the cost when he's leading in a, in a uh, when he's leading in a work. I think we need a plan and I think we need to think through those things. But. Man, we tend to just like not do anything unless we can know for certain I'm sufficient for this and I'm going to I'm going to go for it. Now that I know I can meet the challenge. 
I think there's so many things that, that the Lord calls us to do that we are insufficient for and that we're supposed to do them anyway and have this uh, daily moment by moment sense of, God, if you don't show, this is going to tank. And so please, please show up. So it's the grace of God. It was dependence upon him. And then lastly, just uh, the joy of the Lord, which is, uh, which is our strength. So quick show of hands. How many of you guys have ever been to, uh, to WeWAC, to Papua New Guinea? Do you raise your hands? So a pretty good amount of our church, like we're, you know, not a, uh, not a giant church and a significant amount of us have been there. And so you guys know what it's like to pull into a place that's very, very different from anything that we experience. Everybody's a different color. Everybody speaks a different language. There's poverty everywhere. There's, uh, there's sin everywhere. There's all of these things, all of these needs. And you get this, it, if you look at it, which sometimes we do a really great job of not looking at it. I, I do that. Um, I do a really great job of not seeing because, uh, because the overwhelming need does just that. It's overwhelming, and I don't feel like I can help, and so I just don't want to see. But if we see it, a lot of times there's this paralyzing um, withdrawal into ourself. I, I, can't, I can't do anything for anybody, and so we just sort of uh, draw out of the culture and so um, draw out of the, uh, the place that we're in. And what was amazing, I was really curious to see how Eli was going to do um, going into a place where, not to get too graphic, but like one night we're walking across the street. And by the way, it's just, the streets are organized chaos. You don't ever wait for people to stop. You just walk across the street and like people have to stop. And so you're constantly like every time you cross the street, you're taking your life in your hands. And we walk through and there's like there's a, a, a road and a ditch, and a road, and a ditch, and a road, and we got to cross, cross three, and on the second ditch that we came to, there's this little kid that's like, and it's at night, but there's people all around, it's like, um, just imagine 6th Street on a busy day, there's just people everywhere, and this kid is down in the ditch, and we get to the other side of the street, and uh, I'm going to laugh, it's not funny, it's heartbreaking, um, but Eli goes, Dad, that kid was pooping in the street, and I started laughing because you know, poop humor. Um, but this is a kid who has no home. He has no parents. He has no place to go. He has no bathroom door. The, the grace of God to have a bathroom door to shut and to lock and to be by himself. He didn't have any of that. And so he's just in the middle of the street like millions of other kids there. And so I was curious to see, man, what is, what is Eli going to do when he sees all of that when he sees just, you know, different kids, different language. And, and it wasn't just him. It was everybody on the trip. The Lord gave us just a gracious joy to be there. Um, Eli hit the ground running. I, I found out after the fact, like while I'm in class, he's, he's jumped in a bajaj, which is like a, a, like a Ethiopian rickshaw. It's like a three-wheeled sort of um, taxi. And he went with Paul, right? Yeah, which is which is another 15-year-old uh, Ethiopian kid, and they just went deep into Ambo away from the site to go grocery shopping. I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad you survived. I'm glad nobody snatched you. I'm also glad that I found out after the fact that I wasn't, like, uh, super worried about you. But, um, yeah, uh, and again, I had a picture to show you of, like, 
um, of him uh, interacting with adult Ethiopian adults, uh, with Ethiopian kids, learning their language. Um, he, you can count to a thousand, I think, in um, at least in one of the tongues that we that we studied. And um, it was amazing that God just gave deep sense of joy to know that we get to be a part of His ministry in the world. And so, um, man, I, I just. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to take this time to talk to you about the trip is because it's not something that I did. It's something that our church participated in. Um, it's, it's all in the same work, whether you prayed, whether you gave, whether you went. Our church got to go and do this thing and serve the local body. And I believe in no uncertain terms that the local body of Christ in Ethiopia will be built up because of this trip. And so just want to say thank you so much. For letting us go, thank you to the elders for um, for preaching uh, in my stead, and uh, and uh, thanks to the Lord that I uh, I feel like I can leave um, the country for three weeks in a row, and uh, and you guys are going to get built up by the preaching ministry of the Word. That's a gift that um, I can't I can't tell you how uh, how special how special that is. So so thank you a uh, hundred times. Thank you. Let me pray for us, and we'll. Um, We'll celebrate communion together. Father God, we do uh, just want to thank you for your goodness to us, for your kindness, that, um, that you have made us, um, you've given us the ministry of reconciliation, that you, our Father, are making your appeal to the world to be reconciled to Christ, but... You are making it through us. What a astounding privilege and joy it is to know you as a father and then to, to be sent as you sent your son into the world, that you sent us into the world as well to bear witness to his death that covers all sin and his resurrection that proved that he is the son of God. And the grace that surpasses all measure over us. As we sing, while we were yet sinners, you sent your son and he died for us. Did not wait for us to clean up our act, but came into the depth of our mess and died so that we could be free. And you have freed us, reconciled us to yourself, and now sent us back to the slaves, back to those in darkness and in chains, to tell them there's a way out, and his name is Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for letting us participate in what you are doing in the world. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us joy in these things. We pray that you would give us more opportunities to do things uh, like this. So we, uh, we love you. We give you thanks and praise for what you did. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Paul said, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Brothers and sisters, we are all members of the body of Christ by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. He caused us to be born again by his will and by his word. And we are now united to Christ by faith. 
And though we are one body, we have many members, distinct parts and giftings that are all meant to be put to work in the service of King Jesus. We need one another badly. So on the one hand, we need one another to be participating in the oneness of the body of Christ, as Trey read for us early, earlier. We have one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And we need to see it in each other's faces that we all participate in the body, that we all have the same spirit dwelling in us, that we are all hoping for the same end. First day of class, we read Ephesians about all of our oneness. And I asked them, what floats your boat about all these things that we share in common? And one guy at the back who took over Alex Church, so he pastors a church of 5,000 people. He said, uh, he said, what I love about this is that we all share the same hope. And I said, what's your hope? What hope are you talking about? And he said, I hope that one day, I'm expecting that one day by the grace of Christ, I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ himself and I'll worship his name with the myriad of saints. That's what I'm longing for. I'm like, me too. Me too. That we all gladly bow, the, bow our knees to the same Lord. That we believe the same. That we've been united to the same God in baptism. And that we all have the same God and Father. How could we ever be unified if we lack these things? And how could we ever be separated if we constantly remind ourselves of them? But on the other hand, we all need each other to be diverse as well. We need to see all types of different gifts functioning in the church so that she may be built up. Not everyone is a mouth. Not everyone are hands. Not all are hearts. We all have varied gifts, but all of them are given to the building up of the body of Christ. And so come one and come all who are united to Christ by faith and who have been baptized into his name. Come with all of your various and differing gifts. Come the prophets, come the priests, come the kings, come the givers and the servers and the teachers and the exhorters and the healers. Come everyone who calls upon God as Father, Jesus as Lord, and the Spirit as Helper. Come to the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. Come to the unity of the saints. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for being the Father of all of us. Um, Holy Spirit, we ask as we, as we come to the table that you would do what only you can do, that you would uh, unite us again in this covenant renewal as we enjoy our unity, the unity of the body of Christ, that these are brothers and sisters in a truer way than flesh brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters by faith in Christ, calling upon you as Father. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you unite us together in Christ? Uh, Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you would come and communicate afresh the benefits that Christ died and raised to give us. Help us to know them and help us to enjoy them. Help us to rejoice in them and to live as though they are so. Would you come now? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.